Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor Pira. Marler, we have debates down south today. We do. We have 2013 LSU Georgia. This Zach Mettenberger, Aaron Murray game. Awesome, awesome battle. We have so much that we're going to dig into with this. We're going to do something a little bit different than what we usually do for It Just Meant More. Because there has been a lot of talk about the Mike Leach stuff, we wanted to at least address some of the things because we know people have been asking about it in the Facebook yeah. group. We didn't want to just totally ignore something that's been it's been discussed. I mean, that's that's at least that's at least out there. In a time um, where there's not a lot being discussed, this is something that is being discussed. And bef- so here's here's what I'll ask from everybody. All right, because I like we talked about this a little bit off air. I don't necessarily agree with everything that one side has said i don't necessarily agree with everything from another that another side has said but if you come into listening to this honestly if you listen to our podcast ever with this attitude where you already have your mind made up just turn it off now like, or just, just go ahead to the it just yeah more, f- yeah ahead. that's also a good point or fast forward to the rest of the content yeah. and continue listening to the podcast that's a better way to put it but it, like it, what what really frustrates me about some people in this like in, in not just this argument just in general it, the, having your mind already made up, it really makes discourse and talking very difficult. So we're just going to have a conversation about the Mike Leach thing. Go ahead. By now, everybody knows the story. It's been well-documented, well-discussed. Um, Mike Leach put a tweet out there where it looks like, I don't, I'm not sure if he copied something from Facebook, whatever yeah. it was. but it's like a boomer, boomer meme. Yeah, it involved a woman knitting a noose. It was like a, it was a cartoon that, that he shared and the pub, the the reaction to it, there was a, there was a strong reaction, and part of that reaction involved Mississippi State players, including Kobe Jones, including Captain Errol Thompson. Right. We found out a couple days after the fact that two players entered the transfer portal. One of which said, uh, his his father said that the the tweet played a part in him transferring. People, right. Mississippi State fans, have said. These kids are just looking for an excuse to get eligibility immediately elsewhere. Um, Whatever the case, a parent at least came out and said that. Mike Leach apologized for the tweet. He deleted the tweet. We also had Mississippi State Athletic Director John Cohen come out and say say in his statement that it's never appropriate to address that subject matter and said it was a misstep from Mike Leach. That's his own athletic director. That's the guy who flew down to Key West and gave Mike Leach $5 million. So I wanted to throw all of that out there because I got a lot of flack for a column that I wrote that came out on Wednesday morning. And I'm not saying like, look, like a lot of people have weighed in on this subject. I'm not saying that by any stretch, I was like the only one who weighed in, whatever. Yeah. But there were a lot of people being like, the tweet wasn't offensive. This is ridiculous. This is just a media driven thing. Here's what I want to say in regards to that. I'm not going to sit here and tell people what they should or shouldn't be offended by. That is not my job by right. any stretch of the imagination. What I am reacting to as a columnist and what my job is to be able to focus on is how players are reacting. If a senior captain on a on Mike Leach's team has a reaction on social media that is it, that is a negative reaction, is disagreeing with what his head coach is saying, that is relevant. That is when it becomes news. If nobody says anything about this, if players aren't talking about this, yeah, if then we're not seeing any big transfers, then yeah, make make the excuse that it's just media driven, whatever. Do what you got to do. But I wrote that column because 
we have important people on that team clearly in opposition of what their coach said. It is not in my place to say whether or not it should or shouldn't have offended them, but it did. And I'm reacting to that. And that is a negative result yeah. of a tweet. So my entire intent of writing a column basically saying, and by the way, the headline of the original of my column that yeah, I wrote yeah, this, was, yeah. was changed. It was changed. My original Connor didn't headline, write that 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 headline. I want like to say that. <laughs> the headline after bad tweet, here are some other things Mike Leach should know about coaching in the SEC. That was not my headline. It was changed by our, our editor. My original headline was just spinning it forward. And it read, here are some things, some other things that Mike Leach should know about coaching in the SEC. I never said in the column that the tweet was bad. I understand if you read a headline like that, it's out there. Okay, I understand that totally. If you want to give me crap for that, that's fine. There was a miscommunication in that regard. I no, get no, no, it. that's not fine. That's not fine. No, I'm and saying I'll, if I'm saying if you were upset with the headline, like as a reader looking yeah, at that, you don't know that. Yeah, but that's not fine to throw that at you. And I get, I get that. Yeah, you're right, but it, that's also that should have never happened. So I'm I'm not trying to make this about me by yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. The reason though that we are talking about this here today is because players had a response. When players have a response like that, it matters, and it's significant because. If somebody were to come out and, and and disagree with something that Nick Saban said or did publicly, we'd be talking about that too. There's yeah. no attempt to cancel Mike Leach. This is not race baiting by us talking about that was this a weird issue. Comment. Yeah, that was shout out to the guy in the Facebook group who wrote that about me. Appreciate that. Nothing like being called a race baiter on a Wednesday morning. This is not media being totally bored. We have nothing to talk about. We're going to devote all of our time to talking about Mike Leach. This is something that, you know what? It happened. It's out there. Players disagreed with it. They can maybe move on. We can maybe move on. But we saw, look, these things happen, and it's our job to talk about them. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So, and I, I appreciate all that. So, and here's here's where I'm I'm from a from a reading standpoint. This is where it bothers me, and I'll, I I think you do carry some of the blame, not all of it, but some of the blame. And I'm just being honest with you when I say that, and I'm not trying to come down on you, or like because I you know, the comments like. There's, there's, I don't want to say never, but there's rarely a time I will ever defend anything that somebody writes in a comment section. Just knowing like the, the, what my job is and having to read those comment sections every day, it's never good. It's never good. So nope. what, when you read this headline, it says, after a bad tweet, here are some other things Mike Leach should know about coaching the SEC. That immediately does come off as more aggressive and like me talking to you, talking down to you, talk like here's something you you need to know. And so when I read that, my first thought was like, holy blank! Like Connor, I, that sounded odd because Mike Leach has been coaching for 33 years. Like that's four years longer than you've been alive. So that was like the first perplexing thing. And but like like Connor said, Connor didn't write that. That was an error in judgment. I'll say I'll just say it was that um, from our editor, and that's not something Connor should be blamed for. What I would say is the first sentence did come off as like, you don't think Mike Leach's tweet was offensive, you're sick of snowflakes. That is what kind of feeds into the reaction. Does that make sense? I get like, that. I think, I think that, that that whole, because, you know, like you are, you are a, you know, like you're a, a journalist and you do this for a living. Obviously, you write every single day. You have opinions. That's why we have this, this podcast. I have a blank ton of opinions and so and that's what we're paid to do for the most part and they're not always going to be opinions that end up being right um as you put in in the article there, there's also people like there's also 
as Georgia fans can definitely attest to, and Tennessee fans today on Twitter, a lot of opinions that I'm going to have, you're not going to agree with. And that's totally fine. That's totally fine. What the issue is, and, and I'm just going to let, I'm going to get up on a, 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 what do you call it here, a soapbox here, and just talk to everybody because it's 2020 and there's an election this year and, and we're not going to get into politics, but this is something that has become such like a subcategory of that when you bring up race at the very instant of bringing up race. So here's how I, and I'm just going to be as honest as possible with you guys, and I don't care. I, I hope it doesn't offend anybody because that's not the intent, but I'm just trying to have an honest conversation with y'all and not lead into somebody being offended or responding just because they want to be offended. The subject matter had a noose in it. That has racial undertones for some people. For some people, it does not. Whether that's right or wrong is not what I'm saying, but it brought up some sort of racial undertones. In no way, in my opinion, in no way did Mike Leach tweet something that was racial or intended to be racist. I don't think Mike Leach intended anything like that. I agree with you. At all. I think Mike Leach, just like my stepdad does, twice a week on Facebook, saw something he thought was funny, retweeted it, reposted it, didn't think anything else of it. Like, I bet Mike and the boys will probably think, or Larry and the boys will probably think this is funny. I think that's what Mike Leach did. In no way do I think that Mike Leach, who has been a head coach of football in the in the in Division One or in FBS for 20 years, I don't think, and has had many, many, many relationships with African-American football players, I don't think he was ever trying to say something that was racial. Right. I hate that somebody took it that way. But for somebody else to come in response to that and say, this is race baiting. This isn't a big deal because this, this is this. Hey, listen, I, I didn't think the tweet was a big deal, and I agree with that. But you, this is one of the best things I've ever learned in my entire effing life. And it came from therapy, but I, I, like it, you could use it every day. When somebody tells you how they feel, you don't get to tell them different. Exactly. When someone tells That's you how... Key. But so hold on. It, it, now... That is a frustrating sentence because there are people out there that like, especially on social media, where a lot of this is living right now, where people are just offended to be offended or people are making a big deal and race painting just because that's what's getting them followers. You're not like, if, if that's your stance, you're not necessarily completely wrong about that. But where we get into troubles is the generalizations of every single thing that happens where it's like, well, that guy is old and white and he had this, he's racist. And if you defend him, you're a racist. And if you... Like, if you don't, you're just a race baiter. It's like, no, no, guys, this is not, like, I hate to, this is an odd choice of words here, but it's not a black and white subject, okay? It's not that simple. There are so many, there's so many layers to all this. And and as a society, we do such a poor job of ever trying to find out those layers and then have an honest discourse about it with ourselves and with somebody else before we allow any of that to be found. And we can just find common ground. We're so used, we're so used to nowadays being at each other's throats, making enemies on social media. And, and trust me, I'm right there with you guys because I, I'm i on social media a lot. I'm guilty of it too sometimes. But it's not like we did not care. We did not sum up his character today based off this. Just like no. we're yeah. not summing up your character based off of what you wrote about it. And for some reason, it's a sad state of affairs that people do that. And I don't know why. The, the, the last thing I'll say, when I just said, when somebody, when somebody tells you that you feel a certain way, you don't get to tell them anything different the real meaning of that like the real like the truest form of that is when someone tells them tells you that you made them feel a certain way you do not get to tell them differently and and people really need to understand that because like you might not agree with it it might not have been your intention dude i've been on saturday i will have done stand-up comedy for nine straight years for nine consecutive years and i've said some horrific things on stage okay and, and there's a lot of times it's like, well, yeah, it's stand-up. I'm not offended, blah, blah, blah. 
there's a lot of stuff that I will still not like really, you know, like bite my tongue on because that's my sense of humor and that's like, that's the art form, quote unquote. But at the same time, when somebody tells you they're offended by what you said, I don't get to then tell them it's not offensive because I'm not offended by it. Does that make sense? For example, this is, stick with me on this because I, on that same note, when I was eight years old and I went to the dentist's office and I'm getting, I was getting two teeth pulled or something like that. Yeah. And my dentist is like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, drilling and doing yeah. everything possible there. And I feel severe discomfort in this moment. Right. And I'm like, like that hurts. Like, please, please stop. Like adjust what you're doing. Cause this is like too painful to bear right now. I'm not, yeah. I'm eight. And he says to me in that moment, oh, you're fine. I'm like, are are you, I went home and I told my mom, I'm like, let's flip the situation. Let's put, let's, let's, let's let him right. go in that chair and see how he feels in that exact spot. So like, I'm not right trying to say, dentist. yeah, I mean, I was not happy. We did not go to that dentist. Like we, st- we went to a yeah. different one after that because it's like, you don't get to tell me that man. Like right. this, you're not in that, you're not in that position. And so, I understand yeah. what people are saying in that. There are the Ryan Howards of the world, the people that are like, oh, yeah. Smokey Robinson died. Oh, man. Oh, they're definitely you know, people like that. Pour one out for the smoke man, and they just want to look deep and intellectual, and they want to get sympathy or whatever. This ain't that, man. Like, no, it's not. This isn't that. And, and I will tell you, just since we're being honest about this, the, the, the issue I had at one point reading it was like, okay, hold on. You can't, you, you don't get to say your opinion's wrong or tell other people how they feel in the same way, though, the response, like if, if that's how people feel and that's why they're reacting a certain way, then the response from them can't be the same thing, just on the opposite side. Does that make, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I understand. Like, and, so, and so what really what really bothers me about this is like, you know, like I just said, like, and I don't, I don't care how this sounds like, I've been going to therapy for three years. I talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about something on here today that's going to make probably everyone uncomfortable. And, and I, I'm going to say it just because that's how I am. I'm, I'm, op- I'm more open and okay with like, allowing people in and talking about stuff openly than other people may be comfortable with, that's fine. But when when there is zero discourse and there's zero conversation about everything and your your reaction is to then tell the other person, and, and again, this is why I brought the politics thing originally, because this is what always happens in politics. My mom, you know what, Pastor Patty Sue and I, we don't, we don't vote the same. I'll just say it, okay? I learned a long time ago, that doesn't make me change my opinion about her Right. She's not a she's not a such and such or thinks this way strictly because of what her reaction to voting is or politics. Just like in the same way this meme came out, if you defended it, it doesn't mean that you're a racist or if somebody didn't defend it, they're they're a race baiter. It, you, we have to stop generalizing how people and their entire being what they are just because of one reaction or especially when there's a no discourse. If you if you walk around thinking you know everything about somebody and you've never even had a conversation with them, that's an issue, and that's a you issue. Like, not you personally, but you know what I'm saying. And I think my, my biggest problem with all of this is the fact that, and shout out Robert Fellows, man. Robert Fellows, he, he messaged me immediately, and we had a really cool conversation back and forth about this, about just like the state of affairs in America in general. The, the thing that disappoints me most about this is the fact that these two players left without talking to Leach. Obviously, the limitations of what... Of I, what and you, I, get, I get that. Yeah, but like, it's a bummer. Being, like, having a conversation man-to-man... That is, as an adult, that's how you're supposed to handle stuff. And, and Absolutely. the fact that something like this serious and like the accusations that came along with it were this serious and, and there was not even the decency to have a conversation, that's the problem for me. It sucks. It sucks. No. I, I like Mike Leach. I, I think that there are, 
there, if, if I'm a Mississippi State fan, I am super excited that he is running this program, and I think yeah. that he's going to do really good things. This is though is just serves a reminder. Look, like you had you had a, a negative result from this. This brought on negative yeah. headlines, not just because the media was creating something, but because players reacted to this, and you had players that that made decisions based on this as well that, yeah. that contributed to it. So, I mean, and what I tried to cover in this column, which was a little bit tongue in cheek, is like, look, these are just some <laughs> lessons about Mike Leach, and like, look, if you're gonna. If you're going to get asked a question after a loss about why Kylan Hill didn't have more touches, maybe don't spend seven yeah. minutes talking about the Bay of Pigs. Like that's all I was trying to say. There was funny stuff in the in the article. I'll just tell you from just from. I'll give you some advice from somebody that did stand up. Okay. Oh boy. The setup is is as important as the punchline. So when you when your setup is a little bit more not fun. Uh, it was. I'm sure that's where okay. people like read it and they were like, God dang it. <laughs> Fair enough. It was. Fair I, enough. But listen, I appreciate the. The article, and, and I appreciate the people's feedback that we got from it. And yeah. more there's than no anything, agenda. I us being able to have a conversation. Yeah, there's no, there's no agenda, guys. Our yeah, agenda like, right now is to keep a damn job and talk sports with y'all. Yeah, like, it, if anything, it helps us if Mike Leach succeeds at his yes. job. He's super interesting. There's there's nothing that we get out of, like, Mike Leach all of a sudden failing and then yeah. just disappearing or canceling Mike Leach. Like, trust me, every everybody doing well in this business helps us as well. So, yeah. I, anyway. Georgia winning. Georgia winning. Before we talk about Georgia's big win in that thrilling game against LSU in 2013. Marlo is ripping shots right now. I don't even know what that was. Five hour. Let's do this. There we go. Before we do that, can you tell us about our friends at BetOnline? Connor made me promise that I wouldn't play poker anymore during our recording. So now we have an agreement that only on casual Fridays will I play poker in the background. That was okay. the settlement. It wasn't even necessarily yeah. the yeah. That was just <laughs> it you was a reasonable that out there. agreement. Okay, regardless of that, that means on Monday I had to go on over to our good friends at BetOnline.ag, where you should have already gone to by now. Set up an account with BetOnline.ag today. Um, now we've talked about you can bet on sports, so you can still uh, what do you call it? Bet on table tennis. I'm not doing that. I have not bet on table tennis yet. Good for you. Yeah, <laughs> I said yet. Um, what I have been doing is playing a little poker. So after the we got done recording, I had to go jump into this this tournament super late. And thankfully, they can they allow you to register for tournaments anywhere on like since before they start to up to up to three hours after they start. So you can still get on the action, still place, make some money, um, see some hands, all that kind of stuff. There's several different kinds of tournaments you can play: cash games, tournaments, sit and goes, all sorts of stuff. It's a lot of fun. And why am I telling you all this? You guys probably sound, think I sound crazy. Because, guys, I'm up like, can I say it? Go ahead. I'm up like three grand this week, okay? You're up a whole Peloton. That's what you are. I'm up, I'm up, I can pay for the Peloton if I want to right now. I'm not going to. I wish you didn't say that. But <laughs> go over to Bet Online, buy yourself a Peloton as well, or whatever else you want to. Buy yourself a new home theater. Bobby Birch, and shout out to him. He just re, redid his, uh, his whole living room. It's a really cool setup. I'm going to have to go watch a game over there. Nice. But you can do the same thing. Go over to betonline.ag. Apparently, we might not be getting any stimulus checks until like September anyway. So, Get on over there, make your own stimulus check today. BetOnline.ag. Let's talk George LSU. Let's do it. Number six versus number nine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize that until now. <laughs> nice. Oh, gosh. This game was nice on a variety yeah. of levels because in this 2013 season, we really saw kind of an explosion of offense in the mm-hmm. SEC. And this game was a September game with top 10 teams, which – that sets the stage in itself. Right. Oh, by the way, you've got all this theater with the Zach Mettenberger drama. 
and it was theater because the situation was the former Georgia quarterback who was kicked off the team was back at the place where he always thought he was going to grow up and, and, and be a he star quarterback for. Yeah, at the place that, that he grew up and he thought he was going to be a star quarterback for. And here he is as a fifth-year senior facing off with Aaron Murray, his former roommate. And the game lives up to the hype, which I feel like is so rare. I mean, this yeah. game is kind of exactly how you would script it if you're just trying to draw the most eyeballs possible and you want the most dramatic moments and stuff like that. This game was great. College game day was in the house. Hadn't been there in five years before Ooh, I that. Oh, forgot game day was there. Yeah, big deal. This was this was the type of game where even even if you're you know let's say in central Nebraska on a Saturday morning, you're like, whoa, this is you were watching this is a big this? deal. Of course I was. So, Absolutely. So correct me if I'm wrong. If game day was there, it was the first time they had been there since September twenty seventh, twenty second of two thousand eight. Yeah, which what, what game was that? I'm not getting into it. I'm just making okay. sure that it had been five right. years. That's crazy to not go to Athens within five years of each other, though. Right? I thought that yeah. was weird. I thought that college game day does not go to Athens very much for whatever I reason. Yeah, it's weird. It's in part because, I mean, I think if they had the Georgia-Florida, Florida-Georgia game, if that yeah. was played like a true home-and-home, home, I think that'd be a different discussion. But, you Wait, know, they when they does LSU play, play Georgia in Athens again? Not this year. No, not this year. Um, that's a good question. I, I mean, know. that's a dream for LSU fans to go to a place like Athens. You can't, you can't drink that town, that town dry. You this can't. is true. This I've is tried. true. Um, yeah, go figure. I, that, that's a tough year for crossovers for LSU yeah. to have Georgia and Florida in the same year like that. I mean, that's oh boy, that is just go. brutal. Uh, this game, though, it was great. Seven lead changes. Um, Georgia had won 14 straight at home. LSU had 29 straight wins in September. I mean, something yeah. the old something's got to give cliche was out there and everything. I mean, the I, the comment that and I, I'll bring this up later, too, but I, I'll say it now. It was so odd was there were so many streaks that were involved and the mm -hmm. comment somebody made, or I think it was Vern made about, uh, yeah, you know, Les Miles has had 24th quarter or overtime wins or come from behind wins in his career since 2005. It's the most in the NCAA. And I was like, good Lord. Gosh. That's a lot. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this game was kind of the exact type of game that I love because in part the, because of the fact that the defenses were clearly hurting and not on the same level as the yeah. offenses. And there was, they even threw out the stat, there were 15 defensive players drafted by these two teams, uh, from these two teams combined in, in the previous That's year. Right. So they lost a ton Georgia's, of talent. Georgia had nine level. and they're also starting three true freshmen. In the yeah. secondary? Yeah. Leonard, well, Leonard Floyd also starting as, as a true freshman oh, in this yeah, game as right. well. We're going to get to him. Let's start, though, with the directors. Les Miles. We haven't talked a ton of Les Miles, and it just meant more. But We haven't. Uh, so two years removed from the title game appearance and all that stuff, but... Um, you know, LSU was coming in this oh, game four and zero. They had just beat Auburn too, which that Auburn win turned out to look a whole lot better because yeah. Auburn went on the run, national runner-ups that year, of course. But this game is so not Les Miles. It's just no. not. This does not fit Les's mo. If you watch the 2007 game against Florida, where you know he goes for it on fourth down and Hester runs it up the gut, and it's yeah. just this is not Les's brand of football. This is a Cam Cameron type of game. And I just picture over and over every time they would show less in this game, or when he, whether he's doing his awkward clapping, whatever he was doing, um, I picture him doing the rookie of the year thing, where he's like Mettenberger, yeah. Rosengarter, <laughs> Gardner, 
he just can't pronounce Bettenberger <laughs> at, yeah. at any point. I mean, That's he came good. to the party a little bit later, so yeah. But uh, Les, Les so, gets a lot of FaceTime in this. Hold on, and, and and you know what? It's funny that you mentioned that whole thing about about how yeah, there wasn't any. Uh, there, this wasn't like a Les Miles game because one of the most Les Miles things ever happened literally from the start. They came out of the tunnel, and J.C. Copeland, who was a fullback, led them out of the tunnel. That is that's who led them out on the field, and right. I was just like, "Oh my goodness gracious!" Like they like when they they go, "They're led on the field by J.C. Copeland," and I was like, "Unreal!" Like just I, absolutely can, unreal. Can I say this too? When when no, no. coaches let's lead, on. let's move on. <laughs> when yeah. coaches lead somebody out onto the field, less if you watch that intro, he's yeah. got him swaying and he's like doing it with him. I mean, he's like the pump up guy. Oh, in the yeah. beginning there, which is he does the whole I, stay back, like he's like you're waiting to get him on the field, like he was really good at that. I love that. I think that's 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 refreshing to see that. It makes he, me, and he wore his ring. You don't see a lot of coaches wear their actual national championship ring on the sidelines because he. I mean, I think he never wanted to let go of it because he got it because of Saban's players. So we can keep talking. Um, just yeah. kidding, guys. Just kidding. <laughs> Mark Richt, the Georgia coach. I think you know. There's nice there's pressure bad. on him. There's pressure on him going into this game because of the Clemson loss that they suffered in the opener. A three-point loss, but probably wasn't necessarily that close. They scored a late touchdown in that game to make it look a little bit closer. But At home, too, right? Yes. I mean, this yeah. this game... Um, yeah, wait, was it? Yeah. It was in Athens. The, the, the following, Clemson no, game. It was, it was at home, and I think because the following year is when they played it at Clemson, and Gurley went off. Like, Gurley mm. went off-off in that game, I think. But basically, if you're sitting there, you know, trying to avoid that that second loss, of course, you want to keep up in the division race, all these different things. The window, though, feels a little bit tight just because Aaron Murray's a senior, obviously. He had been at Georgia for the previous 25 years. So there's this this belief, this hope that Aaron Murray now, you know, a lot of questions about him going in. This is this is the chance for them to, to win a big-time home game. And they're coming off this kind of classic close but no cigar yeah. year for Georgia. We already did the It Just Meant More on the 2012 SEC Championship. If that team would have beaten Notre Dame, there's not a doubt in my mind. Um, and it, it's like let's, essentially let's like a playoff semifinal loss. Let's settle it real quick, for real. 2012, SEC. Bama obviously crushes Notre Dame, right? Auburn was trash that year. They would not have. A&M, A&M would have. With, with, with Manziel. Manziel, yep. Um, LSU probably, I think, would have. They finished 15th. That defense was top five in the country. I think they would have. Did they finish 15th in 2012? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, Did they? Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, Georgia would have. Georgia, uh, Florida finished in the top 10, and they were top five defense. Um, I mean, that LSU team That LSU team threw for 293 yards against Bama. Threw for 293 yards in 2012. And they had over 450 total. They said in the broadcast that was a game that made people respect Zach Mettenberger in that LSU locker. Room. Crawled himself off the field. Yeah. I'm not saying that to be a dick. He like he he literally did. It was it was one of the most like warrior things I've ever watched. It was great. Such so warrior Georgia, dash. <laughs> Georgia had three matchups against top eight teams in their first four games of the year. This was their third of those matchups. They had beaten South Carolina already, and then yeah, it was South Carolina who they beat in the first month, I believe, yeah. uh, following the, the Clemson game. So. They were kind of just looking to get back on track in the division, and Rick is, is hoping that with his senior quarterback, this would be a great opportunity to be able to pick up a big win and keep those BCS National Championship hopes right. alive. The A-listers. I know we've talked a lot of Gurley lately. Um, a couple things that, that I want to hit on with him, because we've talked about it before, just how great he was. It felt like kind of this 
this what if a little bit about yeah. his career and the fact that he only got to play 30 games. This is September of his sophomore year, and Aaron Murray was already saying that Todd Gurley is simply the best player in college football right now. It, I mean, yeah. That's that's how strongly he felt about the star tailback. But in this game, he only had eight carries because he suffers the ankle injury. He misses a month after that, and it's brutal because he got off to that great start in this game. He had like yeah. 82 total yards in the first 18 minutes of the game or something like that. Even right. when this happens early in the second quarter, he breaks off this long run, and even Vern recognizes it, and he's like, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, Vern had some oh great boy. lines. Great lines. Was on fire this yes. game. Not oh. in a good way, but man, oh man. Yeah, there's some good ones. So okay, so real quick, the 2000. This this game was at Clemson. This same season, and so just think about like when when Murray's talking about Gurley and and because we do say a lot of stuff that we feel like oh well maybe we're just like misremembering that or we're we're saying it because we're like caught up in the moment and that kind of stuff. So he opens the season against Clemson and South Carolina. Two, the, Clemson was ranked 8th. South Carolina was ranked 6th. This is the game at Clemson where I just remember just being a sea of orange and him streaking down the sideline. Right, this is the Taj Boyd era and all that kind of stuff. 12 carries for 154 yards, 2 touchdowns. <laughs> Follows that up by going at home against South Carolina, 30 carries for 132 yards and a touchdown, and also a receiving touchdown. Like, what a start. What a start to the year. Todd Gurley doesn't suffer this ankle injury. Heisman Trophy talk. I he mean, had 16 touchdowns this year. Still, which is amazing. Yeah. Missed a month of the season and still had that good Wait, of Maybe I'm wrong year. about that, but anyway. Um, Aaron Murray. Let's get to yeah. our boy. Still holds the SEC single season passing touchdown record, 121. I don't know who's going to break that anytime soon. I'm sure it'll happen. I don't think that record's going to stand for another 30, 40 years or anything like that. Probably two. Be- but the issue is you essentially have to be like a four-year starter in order to do that. I mean, 130 three... touchdowns is... That's insane. Like, like uh, so think about... So, Johnny Manziel, Tua, and Joe I meant Burrow. career passing, passing. No, I know. Yeah, I said single season earlier. I meant oh. career, by the way. So, they, they were... All three of those players were two-year starters, right? I think Tua had the, the least amount of starts. Burrow had 28, and Manziel had 28 or 20... Yeah, I think he had 28. Um, Burrow might have had 27, but regardless, they had, you know, he would have had 28 too. They, they, they all got up into the nineties for total touchdowns in two seasons. So that's incredible to think of like in and of itself. But the fact that Aaron Murray, we talk about like a 30 touchdown season, like, we talk, you know, again, I hate to keep harping back on that 20 or 2006 Heisman Trophy race, but like a 30 touchdown season is, that is like the benchmark for touchdowns usually for a quarterback. He did it every year. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's an incredible career. It's, it's, and it's uh, for whatever reason, a lot of Georgia fans don't. I don't know if they give him as much credit as he as he necessarily deserved. Well, the issue and what Aaron Murray was was dealing with at the time was going into this game, he's two and six against top ten teams, and that's right. the the yeah, but and it, it followed him. And even though Georgia won this game, it still kind of stuck with him because of the season that that they turned out to have. Why was Aaron Murray the starter for Georgia for as many years as he was, which felt like forever? This is my favorite. His roommate, his freshman year roommate, good old Zach Mettenberger. The fallout at Georgia in 2010 when both both of those guys who were part of that 2009 recruiting class. Murray the five-star, by the way, even though Murray came to, came to Georgia. Mettenberger was too. Mettenberger was only a four-star. He was one. Tw- I think he was rated one twenty-one and twenty-four-seven Sports Composite. If you look that up. Oh, the composite. Um, yeah, and the composite. So this is also before they had the composite. 
They they just started doing that. So this is like this is when so he was yeah. for twenty four seven sports. He was a five star from twenty four seven sports. I'm I'm like ninety eight percent confident. But anyway, go ahead. So they have this. They're supposed to be having this battle in twenty ten, and as every every Georgia fan remembers. Uh, they couldn't say it on the broadcast exactly what Zach Mettenberger did, um, but basically he went to a bar at he did uh, during something spring that break. The president did go on. Yeah, he touched uh, he touched a couple of private parts that he should not Man. have touched. Right. Um, pleaded guilty to sexual battery. This all happened during his redshirt freshman year, so he goes to JUCO and then he gets his shot at LSU in 2011. Becomes right. the full time starter 2012. The rest is history. Yada yada yada. He was really really good this day. I mean, really yeah. really good. Where. You see him do some things that you're just like, man, that's that that is why people were really excited about him back when he was, you know, just yep. starting out at Georgia. But there's the also the awkward element of his mom working in the athletic department at Georgia, and they showed well, her. Didn't his dad also work some like in some sort of capacity with him? Mm, they didn't mention his dad on the broadcast, which I remember because he gave that huge have. hug beforehand. They didn't. Right. I I don't know. Whatever. Every time we do these, I spend like. A minimum five hours, like, researching stuff. Yes. Going down these rabbit holes. And then as soon as we get on here, I'm like, oh, I probably should look that up, too. And I'm like, <laughs> There's so much stuff that you can look so up. Much. I mean, I spend, I usually spend two to three hours looking up stuff before I even start watching the game for all right. of this. Um, let's do one minute real quick on Zach Mettenberger's beard. Let's let's do it. I'm going to start the clock. Okay. Right just now. Okay. If you had a Civil War general come to life. There it is. If there was an offspring for Moe Schrute, this is it right here. <laughs> He's like a taller, skinnier version of Andrew Luck. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. I can see that. Wow, um, the same voice. <laughs> <laughs> if Jay Cutler and Kyle Orton could conceive a child, this is it. <laughs> All right. That takes the cake. That's good. Oh, Last man. One. He, yeah, go ahead. Uh, he looks like a youth pastor with a wild testimony. That is solid, Connor. You should have put that in your article. That was way funnier. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was good. Um, the beard itself. <laughs> it looks like a youth pastor with a wild testimony. That was a favorite subject we've ever done. <laughs> I, I think we we're just shy of a minute, but um, yeah. yeah. Mettenberger just had this look that was that was different about him. It was a little bit of, I know I realize we're saying this both with beards, ironically enough. Yeah. But it was kind of before the beard boom, so to speak, of the 2010s. Right. Um, but he just had this look that was that was so unique that everybody knew him and he was easily like I, I remember him you know back before I like got into like recruiting and stuff like that oh yeah that's that guy with with the beard at LSU that just kind of looks like he's got this Jake Cutler way about him yeah where he doesn't he doesn't look like a guy who really gets too excited about a lot of things but right. you can tell that he's he's crazy talented and people are going to you know the offense it, is going to be built around him his arm was just incredible to watch because I, I so I've told you this I've said this story on the podcast before I'm not gonna say the guy's name because for his own sake, it's just one of the most pathetic things I've ever heard anyone say. But I remember a guy in college telling me, at he worked, we worked at the Brick together, and he said he got so drunk after a loss to Florida one time that he just went home and he just watched Aaron Murray highlights and drank 23 Coors Lights and just sat at his computer and watched Aaron Murray highlights the whole time. I feel I like I've heard that story, too, from It was the saddest thing I've ever heard from a human being, say out loud. Um, yeah. But so I, I remember him saying that, and I was like, well, they got like two five stars coming in, though. And the Mettenberger thing was, I mean, this is also, to be fair, it's like before, actually, I'm not going to get into that. But it just, it was it was a very odd thing. I was like, all right, what's, what is the deal with this guy? Because this is like an odd situation to be in. Anyway, 
that's all. It created a great dynamic, though. Great dynamic, yeah. fun to watch in this game, fun to watch it play out. And it was interesting, you know, you think LSU is going to typically, you know, LSU before this offensive renaissance they had in 2019, and they're going to rely on their star tailbacks, which they've had no shortage of them in right. recent memory. Jeremy Hill, another one of those guys, an A-lister in this game, um, first team All-SEC this year, 1,400 yards, 16 touchdowns, also sucker punched a dude at a bar. People forget about that. People do forget about that. He um, did that. Biggest name who came out of this, and that includes Gurley, is Odell Beckham. Yeah. There are a lot of things that I want to get into with, with Odell, specifically in college, not necessarily like what's what's happening. Oh, he wasn't you know, that good Giants in college? He, I'll say it. At this point of his career, he only had one receiving touchdown against an SEC team. He's a junior in yeah, this game. Thank you, Connor. Thank you. So there's I forgot that dude's name, but somebody uh, we got into it. He's a he's a good dude on Twitter, but he he gets so mad about this this take that I have, and I don't think it's that crazy of a take. Like, I, I watched every single LSU Bama game for three years. He was a non-factor. He met he had one good drive against Bama in 2012. I, like I watched a lot of other games that LSU played during this time. He seemed like a non-factor. Like okay. I, I don't understand why yeah. there's like he he's he had an incredible combine. He's obviously one of the best receivers in the world today. But that was not on display, probably because of the offense and the other people and the other talent he had in the same receiving core. His junior season, though, was really good. And yeah, he was yeah. really, really good on this day. He had uh, he converted this third in, in 23 when they were down 37-34. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, man, that dude, that dude is a player. He also Why did they let him inside? Like, if you're if you're I get that you're in zone, but like why do you let him inside of you when when the safeties are obviously high and you're and your linebacker, your linebacker's not gonna catch him. It's like an inside skinny, like not a, skin, a slant. It's like a skinny post, and you're yeah. just like he just runs free. And I was like, yeah, no one's catching him. He's there were him. way <laughs> too many of those running free on yeah. skinny post type routes, and this was not a defensive coordinator's dream of a game. That's for no. sure. Um, Grantham Beckham did though when he won the Paul Horning Award this year, and every time he gets it on a kickoff, you think he's going. And yeah. and, and Vern had to basically stop himself. Even it seemed like every time they kicked it deep. Vern was like, oh, man, he's one play, one, he's one, one tackle away one from One step away. Loose. Yeah. Yeah, he kept saying that. I, I will say, so I will say his senior season or his junior season was really good, um, and and a lot of his skills were on display. And like, especially in the return game, he was he was obviously a, a game changer. He also averaged 19.5 yards per reception, which is crazy. crazy. But just crazy. as a career, it's like we look at OBJ now, it's like, oh, yeah, like bona fide star. And we that just wasn't on wasn't the case at this time. Another guy who was a star on this team became a star this year, Jarvis Landry. Crazy thing, though, he had only had, to this point, his junior year as well, he had only had three games of 90-plus receiving yards. Again, wild. That's... But this game, he goes off. Ten catches, yeah. 156 yards. The Landry-Beckham combo mm -hmm. coming into this, they had only had one other instance in their careers in which they both had 100 receiving yards in a game. Yep. This game was their second. I, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me as much just because of the offensive style they ran with Les Miles. Um, and, and again, that shouldn't, that shouldn't necessarily be like a built-in excuse for like, well, yeah, they didn't have a bunch of stats because they didn't run that offense. Cam Cameron did, uh, by all means, try to run that offense. He right? did. He did. And, and, and like, but it, it is crazy to look back on it and be like, hold on, they had, they had th a, a the two two all NFL or NFL 
Like Pro Bowl receivers, right? They've made a combined eight Pro Bowls between the two of them. A combined eight, like, and, and I, I tell you what, what OBJ that catch he made in in like New York against whoever it was against, that's that's still not the best catch I've seen from these two because the catch that Jarvis Landry made against Arkansas, I believe in 2013, is one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life. So yeah, a lot of talent there. Um, the breakout performers, Leonard Floyd. The true freshman, good old number 84. Why did Georgia have so many defensive players in the 80s? Is that, did I I miss something on that? I I, don't, that is weird to me. I don't know. Uh, He was built like a receiver. Yeah, it kind of was. I mean, before he, before he filled out a little bit. Yeah. um, Got a ton of pressure though. Third and Grantham. You could tell. He's definitely a a product of that for sure. He had a sack and two, two tackles for a loss. Second consecutive game in which he had multiple tackles for a loss. Team leading six and a half sacks this year. That's not the highest number in the world and yeah. probably not good if a true freshman is leading the team in sacks. But he did also have that big play on Mettenberger on the last drive where, I mean, he just plowed him. Mettenberger, I think they called a timeout on that last drive where LSU is down, down three and they're mm-hmm. trying to mount this comeback drive. And it's like second down or something like that when Floyd comes through and just knocks the crap out of him. And Mettenberger, I don't know if he knew where he was right afterwards, but they had a burn that bail room, brother. Big time, big time. Yeah, that that is uh, that was one thing that was tough to watch, and it was it, like, I hate to say it, it was kind of comical at times because of how immobile he was. But you, I watched this game, and it's like. I know it's 2013, and I know he's a fifth-year senior. And at the time, I was like 25, so I was like, "Man, he's ancient compared to the other kids." Right. But like, damn, Zach, like you went through some stuff, man. Like, what happened to you that you couldn't move? Like, I don't under like I have Brady, more thoughts on Tom that Brady. Later as well. Yeah, Tom Brady. Tom Brady looks like Percy Harvin compared to Zach Mettenberger. Yeah, of his tan. So <laughs> there you go. Ramick Wilson, Georgia linebacker. Ramick. Ramick. Ramical. Uh, finally became a starter this season, led the SEC in tackles. First For team All-SEC guy. I know. Ramical. <laughs> okay. Um, he, he's everywhere, though. The guy's, yeah. the guy's all over the place. Um, he was th- this guy that, if he's not on that team, I know the Georgia defense struggled so much this year, but he's one of those guys where kind of how we talked about Dijon Harris a little bit with Arkansas, yeah. where if you don't have that guy who's capable of making all these tackles, it could have been even worse because it was, it was a struggle for Georgia defensively with all the guys that they had to replace from that 2012 team. And you're lucky that you at least had somebody willing to go sideline to sideline to make tackles like Rameek Wilson did. Yeah. Justin Scott Wesley, the Georgia receiver Man. who was good. I, I mean, good in the second half. Had the game-winning touchdown catch, of course, where he was just wide open. But, my gosh, he complained so much about pass interference calls and yeah. lack thereof in this game. when. With good reason on some of them. But. On some of them, yes. But the entire game, they were letting him play. I mean, that's yeah. that's the even sadder thing for these defenses is that they were, the officials were actually letting him be really physical, and they still didn't really stand much of a chance against right. all these offensive, you know, all these offensive weapons. But uh, Justin Scott Wesley had it had a big day and was able to to get the go ahead touchdown that Georgia needed down the stretch. Yeah, I, I, so I would have added Chris Conley to this and Arthur Lynch, the tight end and first the, first team All SEC guy, the yeah. receiver. Yeah, so because they, they they did. They were, they were good, man. They, they were good. This team, it, this was a, we talked about the 2014 season and how crazy it was. This this was a season where, like, man, like, neither one of these teams, I don't think, ended up in the top 10, I don't think. And it was LSU just, finished 14th, I believe. Yeah. And Georgia finished unranked, I believe, with eight wins. Yeah. And it was, like, 
there's just so much talent on on this team. It's 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 surprising. I get I get why because the defense. You don't replace a defense with that loses nine stars to go to the NFL. Take no, no you issue. Just don't. You just don't. Yeah. The the prominent extras. Um, let's start with with Todd Grantham because he was <laughs> leading the nation's number eighty nine scoring defense. Uh, not ideal. Fourth and final year at Georgia. Fired at the end of this season. It's it's tough because you can just tell over the course of this game, this defense is just going to continually get picked apart by good offenses. And I mean, even even in a win, they, they showed their flaws and you know, all yep. the all the different times where you had busted coverages or, you know, just missed assignments here and there and just they got pressure stop. on the quarterback. But yeah, they, they had just so get, many issues. Get a stop. <laughs> frustrating to watch. I'm sure Grantham was um, totally calm, cool, and collected on the sideline, like Todd Grantham always is, right? Was this the year that he gave the choke signal? No, the no. That was, okay. I think that was 2010, and then the James Franklin thing was 2012. Okay, yeah, that was wild. Um, Grantham was, he was such a loose cannon. It was odd to watch them two together because cause for a while, at least from the outside looking in, you, you had this, or I had this opinion of, man, he's, he's exactly what Georgia needs because you had this very calm guy with Mark Rick that's, you know, a nice dude, like never uses curse words and, and like kind of like an even keel, mild mannered guy. And then you've got Todd effing Grantham on the sidelines. <laughs> and it was like, goodness. And, and, and it kind of, you kind of thought that was like, he is the necessary, you know, attitude. Like he, he's like, he's, he's that guy on the sidelines. And he, he, this was a, oh man, this was bad from the game. Another, another prominent extra. Mike Bobo, Georgia offensive coordinator. I really just included him because I want to hear you say what you always say. What, what God, bring on Bobo. dang it, Bobo! God! <laughs> that, that should have been the state song. Like, move over, Ray Charles. In 2013, the state song in, in the Peach State should have been like drunk Georgia fans going, God dang it, Bobo! Every time. I, and I will say this, too. What an incredible, incredible job he did scripting the first series. It was masterful. Murray was perfect. Gurley's ripping off big chunks of yardage. He was like, George is ready. Georgia yeah. is here. They, they ready looked, to go. Yeah, they were they were very explosive. Uh, Keith Marshall got a lot of shine in this game. I put him in prominent extras. I know Georgia fans knew him very well, and he yeah. became a focal point of this offense. But we he's somebody that we haven't really talked about. Uh, maybe we talked about him in the 2012 SEC Championship, and we did that one a little no. bit. But, I mean, it's easy to forget he was part of this freshman class with Gurley. They had the nickname together, Gershel, which is... Oh, God, I forgot about Gershel. Yeah. Uh, he, he's good, and he was he was good in this game, but there's there's a different feeling when Todd Gurley is getting the rock. There's just but, So, and it was interesting, too, because, you know, like I've said this before, Georgia always has a running back. They will always have a running back. And he came in, though, with this, this class, and I, I feel like I was... Maybe I was just like invested into this year or this uh, Georgia recruiting classes because there was probably a lot of in-state battles with Bama, but also because like growing up in the state and like people, they, it was so much excitement around these guys because Marshall was, was a five-star. He was the number one, he was the highest ranked player they had in this class that he came in with, with, with Gurley. And you could tell they were both going to be good, but you always kind of thought that like, you know, maybe there was like, I don't think it was like an injury or maybe it was playing time or just, he, just, he wasn't like there yet. But once he figured it out, he was going to be like electric. Like I mean, he was he was rated significantly higher than Todd Gurley, and which is amazing. Which is amazing. It's, it's, they're both from North Carolina, and and I just you know and they had John Theus too, which I don't think he really ever panned out. I, I don't think he did. He's a five star tackle. Oh, I didn't realize this. He went to the bowl school. Um, but this this was this was I think 
arguably the worst year for Mark Richt in terms of getting talent and not developing the talent. Because mm. if you look at it, you have Keith Marshall, who we all know what he did at that combine. Like, that was an incredible combine that he, that he had and, and did, like, a lot of stuff there that was great. Um, I think he ran, like, a 4-3-2 or something crazy. But John Theus, I don't think he panned out. Josh Harvey Clemens was a, was a huge recruit. Huge out of Valdosta, which is like the most like winningest program in, in high school football history in the country. He ends up transferring out and following Grantham to Louisville. So there was so much talent on this team that just never really did anything. They also had Jonathan Taylor, who became a running back for Wisconsin. Same one, totally, definitely. It has to be. Yeah, only one Jonathan Taylor in the world. Steve Ensminger in this game as the LSU tight ends coach. He actually got shown on the sideline a decent amount. I'm like, oh, that's Ensminger. That's kind of... Oh, yeah. The only the only thing that kind of bridged the gap from the uh, the previous regime to to the current one, although I, I realized that he was he was away from from LSU briefly, but um, good good to see Steve Ensminger looking exactly the same on the yeah. sideline. That guy has not, not changed his look. He has not changed his look for the last twenty five years. You cannot I, if convince you, me otherwise. I don't know if he's ever not worn a pair of Oakley sunglasses. Honestly, I don't know if he's ever even worn a pair of Oakley sunglasses. But whenever I envision him, I think I'm like that's Steve Ensminger. He's got a pair of Oakley sunglasses on, always looking out into the sun. He is a cartoon character, bound yeah. to wear the same clothes for the rest of time. Um, just wanted to also bring up the fact that I think there's roughly a 75% chance that whenever we do something for It Just Meant More, there is a chance that John the Don Chavis is going to be there. And, of course, he's up in the booth getting paid way too oh, much God. money to struggle. Oh, he was at LSU. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. Dang it, John. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Favorite line from the broadcast. Is, My gosh. I have I have several. I have yeah. I have some good ones from from Vern. So my favorite was they come back from break. It's 37-34, 807 left, and there's a like Georgia had just made a field goal to make it 37-34, um, and for Marshall Morgan and uh, <laughs> and they they come back. They're like, who's the surprise team of the year? And they show these options right. And there's like four of them listed. And both him and Gary are looking at the at the thing. They've already messed up the Affleck trivia question in this mm-hmm. broadcast, and and they're they're going through. It. It's like, well, uh, surprise, Ole Miss. I, you know, on balance line wouldn't have a higher voting, <laughs> and blah, blah blah blah. And like, so looking at it, and then and and if you're looking at it like a normal person, you can clearly see there's one name at the top, one team that's highlighted in black and has a higher percentage than every other person. You could also tell that if you just know math, that the other four they were talking about didn't add up to 100%. <laughs> and so I'm looking at it's like, is he serious right now? And they, and they both missed it. And they were like, oh, well, all right. I didn't even see the one at the top. Like, and Burton just goes, my, my bad, as they say. <laughs> oh, there is you not, say that. People you forget could, that. <laughs> you could have told me about a prune juice brand muffin, and it would not have sounded as old as what Vern, Vern Lundquist said in that moment. Oh, Vern was man. Vern was so good this day. I don't know what it was, but he was in he was in rare form. He he, he had just so many lines that I'm just like, bring that back to me, yeah, right now, please. Let me let me watch live Vern. I don't care if it's SEC football or not. Just I need Vern calling stuff immediately. He had um, this part where he's outlining Jeremy Hill's off the field problems, <laughs> and uh, he talked about the the sucker punch at the bar, all that stuff. And uh, he has this line. He says. Les Miles had a team vote to see if they'd allow Jeremy Hill back on the team. Are you surprised they said yes? <laughs> they show like a highlight of Jeremy Hill busting loose this long. Wow. Run. Vern Savage. coming 
Vern going to break is when he's at his best. Yeah. Those are the moments when he he just he's thinking on his feet a little bit and he comes up with something that's just like only he could say this. <laughs> and, and people just love it. There's there or there's another instance where they're going to a break and Ray Drew uh sacks Mettenberger in, in the second quarter. And um, they show a replay of it. <laughs> and Bert goes, Ray Drew is a licensed minister. That's what I'm preaching about. <laughs> it was so good. What it was mean? The, I And then, I mean, you find out, like, oh, I didn't know at the time. His nickname was the Pastor of Disaster. Sorry, Reggie I'm White. I'm Patty that. that that's, uh, Reggie White, I know you're the Minister of Defense, but that might be better. That might yeah, be better. I'm just going to say the the best one and the the backstory to this is kind of what I wanted to get to as well. Georgia kicker Marshall Morgan, as you just mentioned, he drills yeah. this fifty five yarder. It's good by like ten yards. Vern goes check for helium. All right, <laughs> funny in itself. He goes on to explain how Morgan was suspended for two games that year, violation of team rules. Of course, they're not going to dig into all the details. They didn't dig into all the exact details of what happened with Mettenberger either. Although they were willing to say that Jeremy Hill sucker punched a guy. I guess that's not as that's Georgia a little bit more all CBC. The calls, man, everyone knows that. <laughs> so, how is a kicker suspended for the first two games of the year? You ask. Man. Well, he was arrested for boating under the influence. Um, yes, he got a BUI. He was on his jet ski. He had a couple of tubers, got busted by a helicopter, and they saw him towing without a third-party observer. So that is how you can be a kicker and get suspended for your first two games. Marshall Morgan earned a lot of street cred by doing that, I'm sure. Yeah, so Ear Muffet, if, if you're young, Marshall Morgan is the, like, there's not been an SEC. I'll just you need to earmuff it, Connor. There's not been an SEC player I've ever heard of that has a more porn star sounding name than Marshall Morgan. It is, that is ridiculous. That is a ridiculous name. It's like if Eminem went into that. It makes no sense to me. And the fact that he got a BUI that that is that is a new level of of flex, man. Good for you. A boating under the influence. Can I take my earmuffs off yet? Yeah, you can take your earmuffs off now. <laughs> All right. Uh, all, all I heard was Marshall Morgan boating accident. That's <laughs> that covers. I can read yeah. this. Um, uh, hold on. So this is okay. That's we're still on the, the best line. Okay, keep going. That's those. Those are the three that that I wanted to bring up. Did you have oh. any other ones from from Vernon no, no, or, no. or Gary? That was there's a couple that were that were. I mean, they, they really stood out. Like the, the fact that they did the Affleck trivia question. It was like, <laughs> like I, so. I, I've always I've never like defended Gary Danielson. I've never really thought that like people are like he obviously hates. My school and only likes this school. I've always thought that's just stupid because it is stupid. And I don't think that he's from, like, he went to Purdue. Like, he doesn't care about hating on your school. No. But, but the, the, like, I do, I did get a feeling for the first time ever from listening to him of why people hate him. Like, I, I, I got that 100% from this because I was like, oh, man, Gary yeah. has some moments where you're just like. Cringy. You, yeah. Like, like so if you guys, if you guys missed it, basically what happened was this. He, he talked over, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, they told this whole story, this whole story about how so-and-so, he was actually the, the um, they, they came in together, but they didn't, they didn't get a chance to play because so-and-so was the other quarterback. And then like 30 minutes later in the broadcast, they're like, who was the quarterback that actually started over? <laughs> um, Jack Mettenberger. And so, and it was like, oh, I guess, I guess we already talked about that. We already gave him the answer. And it was like, yeah, and I think Gary says something like just like half-ass comment, like, 
I guess we need to start paying attention in those meetings. Like, yeah, dude. Yeah. You definitely do. That would be helpful. Uh, so. Gary, Gary also had the coldest take from the broadcast. He's talking about Beckham and Landry, and he says, quote, these two physical wide receivers for LSU, they're NFL-ish. Ish. He ish. emphasized the Physical. ish a lot, which is like, okay, that that's going to look bad in hindsight because everybody knows what Beckham and Landry turned into. Nobody at the time, you know, was saying, hey, these are going to be two of the, the premier yeah. receivers in the league necessarily. But, I mean, they were still both picked in the first two rounds of the draft. That, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of year. I don't think OBJ, it's a definitely a cold take, but I don't think there's a lot of people that thought OBJ was that, especially at this point. Right, right. I mean, I, I, I think it was just funny to hear him say NFL-ish. Yeah. Like, there was there was some sort of debate. Like, he was throwing it out there like it was kind of a hot take that maybe they're going to have some success in the NFL. Like, yeah, okay. My coldest take is when he brought up something about early on, I don't have the exact quote, but he, he goes, this, this, place is, this place is loud. This reminds me of a Saturday night in Baton Rouge. And it was like, man, can we just, book, can we just have two things? Does, does, right. Do we have to pit them against each other? Because th- there's just nothing like a Saturday afternoon in Athens when you can literally see oak, the, like the, sh- the, the actual outline and shadow of oak trees just slowly creeping over the field is like my favorite Southern scene ever. And the fact that he's like, he's like oh, this is, uh, you know, Baton Rouge, this, and I was like, just, can, just, they can be two separate things. That's all. I thought Piedmont Park was your favorite Southern Piedmont Park thing. is, oh man, Piedmont yeah. Park is so great. Um, okay, so there was one more too. Um, damn it! Hold on, I'm trying. To, I have the wrong notebook in front of me. Go ahead. You keep. T- you keep talking. All right. I've got the Jadavian Clowner reminder that normal people don't play this game, and it's related to Beckham as well. I, I yeah. realize I've talked a lot about Beckham so far. There is this kickoff that's about to go into the end zone in the second quarter, and Beckham is back deep for this kick, and he just barehands it, the ball yeah. out of the air. I I cannot overstate the difficulty that it is to bare hand a kickoff that has gone 80 yards essentially and he is catching this try try just catching a kickoff or a punt or something like that or other different things but he did it with one hand to basically prevent this from going into the end zone it was reminiscent of his of his one-handed catch of course that like yeah put him on the mat made him like you know household name everywhere and even gary because it was an obvious it was an obvious touchback but he still does this and gary lets out this whoa <laughs> Like, this dude's hands are on a different level, and yeah, we probably should have gotten the picture that this Beckham cat, you know, he, he knew what he was doing with a football. Yeah. I'm laughing about something totally separate that's inappropriate for the podcast. Oh, that makes me feel, that makes me feel bad. No, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know how to share this, but anyway, so the, um, th- so my play, it was, it was not the same play, but it was the OBJ sprint uh, to the end zone when he just outran mm-hmm. everybody. Um, also, the, the the play that Mettenberger, he threw the touchdown pass where he got just absolutely lit up, like right in his ribs from whoever the Georgia safety was. Or it might have been a blitzing line. I think it was the safety. Um, and it's the very first touchdown they scored. And he hit. It was the safety, their, yeah. Yeah, he hit his receiver in stride. And it was like, good God. Like just a bullet. And then, and then while absorbing that hit, it was, it was wildly impressive. Did Beckham have a touchdown in this game? I don't know. I, don't think, I, don't think, I didn't think he, he did have a touchdown. But the speed was, so, was off yeah. the charts. The, so the, the Joe Cox reference, like, <laughs> there's, there's just this, there's this picture of Joe Cox that was in sports, sport, sporting news. Have you ever seen this? Mm-mm. I, it, <laughs> so just, just Google Joe Cox UGA 
And it's the first picture that comes up, and it's one of the most unfortunately awkward pictures you will ever see, ever. But I remember it being a huge thing that was like passed around everywhere. Um, when the, just that's that's all I have to say about that. Just move okay. on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, the Trent Richardson. I can't believe they didn't make it in the NFL. I actually because so many of these guys really became studs in the NFL, and it's you know the, the stars of this game specifically. I. The Mettenberger-Murray thing, watching these guys go back and forth, I didn't think that they would necessarily be, you know, these, these Pro Bowl quarterbacks necessarily or anything like that, yeah. but both both were six-round picks. I am at least, though, still surprised that these quarterbacks only combined for 12 passing touchdowns in the NFL. All of them came from Mettenberger, by the way. Yeah. I tried to do this hindsight, what were the telltale signs that they weren't going to be able to survive and last in the NFL? And I realized that Mettenberger actually did get to start NFL games. Mm-hmm. He had that brief cup of coffee with the Titans and with the with the Steelers as well. Um, couldn't even get drafted in the XFL, unfortunately for him. And that's how quickly things phased, faded out for him. But I, you could see these instances with both of them, even as they're you know they're they're putting up touchdowns and it turns into this great shootout. They struggle with pressure. And when they don't get that clean pocket, it's it's amazing to me that Murray was listed as a dual threat quarterback because he can move a little bit, yeah. but to be considered like a dual threat quarterback, let's just say in 2019, 2020, he's not being considered a dual threat quarterback no, as a recruit. No. There's just no way. Um, but he's a Julian Edelman type. Yeah, scrappy, gritty, lunch pail guy. Um, they they don't go through their pro- progressions quick enough too, which is part of the issue. I mean, if if you're going to be one of these slower guys, as you brought up earlier, like Peyton. Which Mettenberger was. I mean, he was he wasn't a statue necessarily, but he didn't necessarily have the footwork to be able to to evade pressure and to make things work. You, you've got to be able to read stuff like a Peyton Manning, like a Tom Brady, in order to be able to you know have some sort of success being that you know that that person who's just always going to be stuck in the pocket. And or on the flip side, you, you have to be this quick, you know, you have to at least be able to keep your eyes downfield, kind of like a Pat Mahomes. Yeah. We, we talked about that a lot with Burrow this past year. It's like oh. Burrow's not he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he does such a good job of keeping his eyes downfield, keeping yeah. plays alive. That's why it works. Mettenberger in this game would miss wide open receivers because he's focused on one target. And it was yeah. everything is first read. And that's the frustrating thing of watching these quarterbacks back. And that's the thing that not to bring you know, like I think Jake Fromm does a much better job of going through his progressions a little bit more and being able to, to find guys. I think, to be honest, that's what makes me think that he's got more of a chance of succeeding in the NFL than Aaron Murray did. But you can tell from both of these guys, if you go back and watch, they had some amazing passes, but the vast, vast majority of them were first read, middle of the field type stuff, where, you know, that, yeah. that, that, that seam between the hashes, something like that. And you kind of get the sense, okay, these guys aren't making these throws that are out of this world impressive, and you could see yeah. why NFL evaluators were a little bit more reluctant to want to take a chance on them. This is Aaron Murray's 10th straight game, or I'm sorry, not 10th straight, 10th career game with over four-plus touchdowns. It's really good. It's pretty crazy. It's really um, good. So for me, it's Keith Marshall. I, mm. Just He had the size, he had the speed. When he ran that, 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 com, or that uh, 40 at the combine, it was like mind-blowing to me. John Theus is another one, um, just because, I mean, like, it's, it's rare that you miss. I tell you what, Rivals and, and 24-7 Sports and all those guys, they they miss on a lot. It's rare you miss on, a, on a, like, the number one offensive tackle in the country. It's And he went to the Bowles School, which, if you're not familiar with that, that's where, that's where Chipper Jones went. It, it, Bowles is like IMG. Mac Jones. IMG. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. 
Um, it's where Chipper Jones is from, and also uh, Travis Carroll, one of my favorite linebackers from the from the late '90s, Daryl Carroll's son. Oh, um, right. So, like those two, it was really surprised me. The Josh Harvey Clemens thing. I, Josh Harvey Clemens had like this incredible announcement. And I remember it being on ESPNU, and it was like this huge thing. And he he picks Georgia from Valdosta, and I just thought it was going to be one of these guys. It's like they've got they've got so much talent in place that they're there's like they're, they've obviously turned the corner. And he ends up playing safety at at um, at what do you call it at uh, at Louisville. It was just it was bad all around. Go ahead, next one. This is similar, and I'm sure you've got a few things um, a few things for this category. The thing that you didn't know slash remember until rewatching slash uh, researching this. The one of the things we've already kind of touched on this: the fact that Georgia was able to win this game with Gurley going down early in the second quarter. Because um, Gurley was good. I mean, he was really, really good yeah. to start this game, and you got the sense that LSU did not quite have an answer. And I don't, I don't know how many yards that he would have had this day, but if there was a, a 200-yard day, I, I'd say that had the early makings of it. And Keith Marshall, Oof. in my opinion, th- there was there was a difference between watching them side by side. Just could not break the big runs in the way that Gurley could bounce into the outside and do all those special things. Yeah. I also forgot how much LSU had really convinced everyone that it had this revamped offense this year. Yeah. And, <laughs> sorry, sorry. You know, it's it's weird because LSU had 13 rushing yards in the first half of this game, which is mm-hmm. crazy. Um, first year of Cam Cameron. And, you know, you listen to some of the stuff that Gary says about Cam Cameron in this game, and he raves about him bringing these concepts in from the Baltimore Ravens. Right. Oh, by the way, the Ravens were the team who fired Cam Cameron in the middle of the 2012 season when they were 9-4. and four. And what did they do after Cam Cameron was fired? They went to the Super Bowl yeah. and won it without him. Um, anyways, but Mettenberger was considered Cam Cameron's development project. And he you know, had these four games to start off the year where it was the first time LSU had ever had four consecutive games of 400 yards of total offense. Um, which is Ever. pretty amazing. I mean, that's that's bonkers. But still, LSU, the formations, they're still bunched. Even when they're running stuff oh, out of the shotgun God. so many times, they're still doing these bunch formation things. You're like, this is, uh, you know, eventually people are going to figure this out. And yeah. sure enough, that's kind of what happened to this team. Um, I forgot Grantham was the DC here. And it just, I, I tell you what, man. There's there's not a guy that Grantham had to be like licking his shops more of than than like when they had to play than Zach Mettenberger. You know what I mean? Like an immobile quarterback where you can just start bringing the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so all right, I'm gonna get real here for a second. This is what I forgot about watching this. This, this was tough for me to get through. Uh, Paul Oliver passed away that week, and oh, he committed suicide. Right. Yeah. And I've joked around a lot about um, 2013, but I had uh, struggled with that uh, earlier in the year that year. And and gotten through it, thank God, and had uh, just like a lot of uh, uh, like a lot of like tough, just just a tough year, and um, didn't know who to talk to about it. And that Paul Oliver thing broke my heart because it was like a five star, top ten player in the country, like one of the fastest players in the country, had everything in front of him seemingly, and just had like you know a moment of weakness. And I just remember I've been thinking about this a lot, especially with the quarantine thing too. It's just like. Man, that, 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 I forgot about that whole thing and how much it affected me, especially at the time. And it's just one of those things where I've talked about it with like a couple of our listeners before, too, is, man, if you need to talk to somebody, just talk to somebody. Just, you know, don't ever, don't ever feel too proud to not be able to talk to somebody. That, that Paul Oliver thing was, I forgot how, I mean, he's, he was 29. So that was crazy. crazy. Sorry yeah. to get real. 
yeah, the mental health stuff, I think we talk about it different now in 2020 than we were yeah. even in 2013. We were still figuring stuff out and, you know, still kind of in the, the early phases of figuring out all the effects of CTE. Not saying that this yeah. was, you know, just directly related to that or anything like that. But I think we, we approach it a lot differently now as it relates to football yeah. players and, and dealing with that those issues. Um, okay, when the losing team blew it, there's... There's a couple instances uh, that we need to bring up because there's the obvious, yeah, when Georgia scores game-winning touchdown, of course, uh, Justin Scott Wesley had the game-winning score. But the Odell muffed punt late in the third quarter I thought was massive where yeah. uh, LSU had finally gotten a stop against Georgia and LSU was set to take over. And then Odell lets this this punt hit off his face mask where I think his he, his eyes started looking upfield a little bit. Yeah. And Georgia recovers it and they get it essentially in the red zone and then quickly get a touchdown there to to take the lead. Michael Bennett touchdown wide open. And um, yes, I realize LSU tied it after and uh, and also took the lead in this game as well. But I thought that that was such a pivotal thing of like, man, you cannot give short fields in, in a game like this. And that was just such a such a costly play from a guy who was obviously really good in this game but had had a bad moment on that play. Um, when when the game-winning touchdown happened, um, or actually, no, before that, before that. Um, no, no, I, I will say, okay, so on the game-winning touchdown, LSU blew yet another assignment. And they had so yeah. many blown assignments in the secondary. This was not a good day for the DBU uh, discussion. It, <laughs> Our producer, Will Ogburn, when he makes the DBU discussion, uh, he is not going to want to talk about this Well, day. the good news is, though, on this one, Will, and I, I hope you're listening, is that Reggie Bush, this was vacated that year, so they, they get to still be DBU. Go ahead. Nobody's going to understand that joke. No, it's an inside joke. It's a burn at Will. Boom. Roasted. Um, but it, it, this game felt like the last team with the ball was going to score. The way that they were going at each other in the fourth quarter, you, you got that feeling in this game yep. that, that got up into the 40s for both teams. And it felt like at the end, the stage is set for Mettenberger because he takes over with, I think it's a minute and 47 seconds left. Yep, and Gary, right keeps, Gary keeps talking about it. He's like, what a dream. What a dream situation this is. This perfect script is building for him to be able to do this. Yeah, Gary uh, sucks now that I think about it. <laughs> Gary's rough. It, it, Gary's you know what? a tough day. Gary is not, not aged, aged particularly well. No. I, I think we can say that. But, um, you know, LSU isn't able to put together this this late drive, and, and Georgia is is ultimately able to, to hold on in this game. But just a fun game, such a fun yeah. back and forth, and, and something that really felt so much different than two years earlier where everybody's talking about Bam LSU playing in this 9-6 game and, and are we ever going to see offense in the SEC? And this was not a day where offense was lacking. Yeah. Um, I'm, just, I'm watching it right now. There should have been a... a a personal foul, unsportsmanlike conduct call on that fourth and ten because Georgia rushed the field. There's a thousand people on the field right now. Oh, yeah, how did they not get flagged? For I have that. no idea. Well, because <laughs> if you think about it too, I don't remember what year it was, but like this isn't far removed from when Georgia that Georgia game where AJ Green gets a touchdown. I want to say it was LSU. It was like 2010, maybe. I don't remember. There was a game where he like caught a touchdown pass and like folds his arms, and that was it. And it was like with like less than a minute to go or something, and. If, if this isn't right, by the way, I'm gonna like I'm I'm gonna start writing down every single quote unquote memory that I have because we've had a struggle this week of, of trying to remember stuff. We were this is what happens when we try and start talking about basketball. That's yeah. that's the issue. So so but like he did he just did this 
and they threw a flag and gave him like 30 yards or something like that or like an extra 15 <laughs> yards i was like what Jeez. the hell is this like it was it was awful um anyway this this game i don't i think it was lost like that last series you want to say they, they get behind the chain just like second and 17 and they still get the first down but that last series like he had Odell Beckham on fourth and ten. He had him wide open, and he missed him because yeah. Mettenberger would do this. He would do this too often in in this game where he had an awesome game and his numbers yeah. were ridiculously good, but he missed so many guys at, yeah. at crucial points where you know he's just locked in on one target. Where he's well, it's like shotgun Anthony five Herrera wide. Is also like literally jumping over the left tackle, or or maybe it's like even the running back. True, it true. Tried, it coming right at him, so he just kind of like cocked his like right leg back and just like threw off his back foot, but. And he has the arm strength to get it there, but it just sailed. I, I hate it for him, like, because I'm watching it again right now, and I remember this happening in real time. They just zoomed the damn camera in his face the entire time at that last last however long yep. because of the story that, it, that was created with it. And it was a great scene. And, like, you could say whatever you want to about, like, oh, yeah, you know, the joy of victory and the pain of defeat or whatever, the thrills of victory and pain of defeat, whatever it is. Like, that sucked. That kid, he did something wrong and had to leave the, the, the school and all that kind of stuff. That's his dream school. That's where his mom literally worked his entire life. He grew up in the shadows of that damn stadium. And CBS decides to zoom in on his face the entire time. That, that is, it goes into the next part, or like one of the next parts, which is like, like the one thing that sticks out to me when I saw it. That sucked. That sucked. Not okay, me. and I also have one more thing about the, the thing I, I forgot uh, until rewatching this. This is much more lighthearted than the You stuff forgot I that earlier. you forgot it, is what you're saying. Yes, there you go. Early in the first quarter, Georgia does something, and they start playing French Montana, Ain't Worried About Nothing. And why that song is important, Connor, is because to this day, that song has haunted my dreams. And, and I'm, not, I'm not making, I'm not trying to be funny here. So that song, I, have, I hate that song because, they're sh- and they're showing it, like the entire sidelines dancing. And it looks eerily similar to the 2007 blackout game against Auburn where they, they're doing the Soldier Boy thing and... And like Remember that? The, Fun the entire, times. Yeah, it's awesome. I was there that day. I was wildly hungover because of that whiteout party the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, we've told the story. But so, like, it's it was just this cool scene. The whole stadium's dancing. And then I'm, like, trying to hear what song it was. Because, like, oh, yeah, 2013, what it was playing. And I zoom, they zoom in on the players dancing. And Trey Matthews, I see Trey Matthews. And they're playing French Montana. I ain't worried about nothing. And this is a true story. Immediately following the prayer at Jordan Hare, at Jordan Hare, when Trey Matthews couldn't just knock down a ball, right? I turned on French Montana, ain't worried about nothing, as loud as possible at Whitehall Tavern and was screaming the lyrics to Auburn fans because Bama played Auburn next and in no way was I worried about that game. In no way was I worried about that game. Quoted it in my weekly winning and boozing article the following week. We all know what happened. What I What happened? <laughs> I hated that this this moment of Trey Matthews doing that will now forever also be burned into my mind and I hate that song so much because of what it reminds me of and for whatever reason every time we hook up my phone into the car like like the Bluetooth speaker it instantly goes to iTunes and starts playing that song because it's the first thing oh yeah, like yeah that's right song. I remember you telling me that it makes me so mad it's ugh, to this day anyway moving on I think we need to get Trey Matthews on the pod. That's that's what needs to happen. I have some things to say to him. (laughs) 
What would have happened afterwards if the result was flipped? This game, because it was played in early September, it's kind of it's a little bit tougher to do that as opposed to some of yeah. these later season games that we've looked at. I don't know that it changes much for LSU. They still lost games to Ole Miss and Bama that year. Unranked Ole Miss. Yeah, unranked Ole Miss is kind of before they, they really had that, that, that come up that we talked yeah. about a lot with 2014. But um, they probably LSU probably would have gotten into the top three behind Bama and Florida State. Um, I don't know what that necessarily does, at least yeah. at that point in the season. Um, LSU, without that loss, they probably, I think, get into a BCS Bowl. Don't play uh, yeah. any Outback Bowl. They would have finished in the top ten, too. I think Did they play possibly. Iowa or Notre Dame? Oh, wasn't that, I think that was Iowa, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's I'm always sure. one of the two. So Yeah, of course. Iowa plays in the Outback Bowl every single year. It's like um, it's like uh, Louisiana Lafayette in the um, – uh, in, oh, yeah. in the the bowl game that they that they had in a week, it's the Idaho Potato Bowl where Boise yeah. State plays. And if they're not a in a BCS game, that's Iowa. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit more about Georgia in terms of what could have happened had the result changed. So if Georgia had lost this game, even more pressure on Mark Richt. Um, season's over in September, kind of. You know, you suffer that second loss. At least this team got to mid October before that second loss, which was a home game against Mizzou. Not ideal. I picked that. I picked that that mm. week. Ooh, I got a lot back. of flack for that, and uh, that was crazy. Yeah, that was that was it was a weird season because like you do wonder what would have changed. I guess it, maybe this all would have fallen apart earlier. But like, dude, I mean, they lost to Vandy that year. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. I, I'm not sure that they shut it down. Uh, Gurley's still a sophomore, but what it also does is it further complicates this. Aaron Murray can't win the big one thing. Yeah, and it kind of just adds fuel to that fire. Um, where at least. You saw in this game, and this is my player image that we'll always remember when thinking of this, Aaron Murray celebrating at the end. Yeah. Just jumping up and down. You know, what did we talk about the other day with the uh, the the 1980s? I just got a sack. I'm going to throw my arms in the air <laughs> straight up. And yeah. Aaron Murray's doing a little bit of that. Um, he sprinted to the, he tell. Sp- I think he sprints straight. Yeah, he sprints straight to the student section. Yeah. Like, and that's, I mean, he, that was he pretty goes, cool. He goes crazy, and he, he knows what this game means for him. Um, it just kind of felt like the defense was going to let him down. They showed a couple of shots of him on the sideline where he's like, he's ready to go back in, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, and I I think, too, and this is like, uh, Brian Hoyt is a guy that does uh, radio here in Atlanta that I went to high school with, and me and him until very recently uh, never got along. We actually, he was at the, uh, he was in the box with us at the ST Championship game. That's right, that's right. Yeah, and he's a good dude. We're cool now. Um, but he has this thing against Murray, and I don't know the extent of it, but it's it's similar to what a lot of people, a lot, not a lot, but like a, some Georgia fans have with Murray in in terms of well, he never got us the big one, so like because he's he's their career leader in everything, in absolutely okay. everything, and it's like well, yeah, but he never he never won the big one, and, and and it always made me really mad, and I'm not saying this, and I hope Georgia fans can hear me not say this, okay, because I've I've like defended the whole 1980 thing. As so many times for that school, okay, but no one else got them there either. In those until Jake Fromm did in 2017, you know what I mean? So I hated the fact that Georgia fans, not all of them, but like the small like faction or fraction of them, like kind of gave him like you know crap for never winning the big ones. It's like man, like with that defense, what were you supposed to do? I think with and and that's the the thing is you felt like you felt like he was going to get let down by the defense and maybe. Not to keep bringing up 2012 SEC championship, but you know he'd been down that road before. And yeah. not to say that it was all when when Georgia would lose big games, it was all because of Murray, it was all because of the defense necessarily. But it just Mark seemed Ray. like something something was going to be working against him down the stretch. You know who it was? Say it, Connor. Say it one time. 
I have no idea what you're talking about. GD it, Bobo! All right, that's fair. Um, yeah. Meant more to him, though, maybe winning this against Mettenberger. I know that, like, they're, they, they, you know, they dapped each other up afterwards. And I, I think that just dating back to that competition and kind of seeing what was at stake here, that, that would have been a tough pill to swallow. If, if you're Aaron Murray and you're in your senior year and you watch this guy that, you know, was kicked off the team and he comes back and he essentially ends your, your chance, your last chance at a BCS National Championship, that would have been just a, an absolute bummer watching that happen in that fashion. Not saying that he had any ill will toward, Aaron, toward Zach Mettenberger or anything like that, but, you know, it, this game meant a lot. And Mark Rick tearing up in the post game. I know he's an emotional guy. I get that. Um, but he, he was, like, you know, very, very, um, I mean, pretty much speechless. Yeah. Down, down the stretch in, the, in this game. And, and he says to Tracy Wolfson, he's like, you know, this, this game just means so much. And... I get it. I get it. Even though it's in September, top 10 showdown like this, all that was going into it, this game was very important. Even though Georgia did not end up having this this even good season by Georgia's standards, it was still an important day and one that I'm, I think Georgia fans look back on fondly. Yeah, no, I agree. One of my favorite scenes in all of college football is, is that 3.30 game where it's starting to be dusk and turn, turn into like the, the sun's going down in Athens. It's just a beautiful scene. It really is just a beautiful scene. Um, I forgot also this 2013 year is the year that uh, they had so many noon games. It was awful. Mm. Um, Georgia, Georgia did, are you talking about like Georgia home games? They were yeah. all noon? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the the scene for me that I'll never remember is, uh, or always remember is, just like I said, that, that scene at the end where it's like the sun's kind of setting and it's in Athens and it's just like this beautiful, I feel like it's just all, like, it, I've been to games where it's like rained horrifically bad in Athens, but it just feels like this is always like a beautiful, beautiful sunset in Athens. And that's there's a there's a shot they show at the end besides Mettenberger, which always sticks out to me. It's a shot they show of the bridge, and they zoom out, and you see the whole landscape. And that's just they like they, they they're zooming in on the sign right behind, like at the bridge, like the scoreboard, and it says like Sanford Stadium, University of Georgia. And they as they're zooming out, you see that giant ass oak tree and the you know corner of the end zone, and then the rest of that stadium is just oh beautiful this was a great game if you are looking for something to watch you're an sec fan you just need entertainment you you know that both of these teams they're not playing for a national championship or anything like that it's just a fun entertaining watch to watch these guys go back and forth yeah i recommend going back and and re-watching it and just experience Vern in its entirety because Vern is so great he's so great great. we miss you we miss you Vern Funquist is getting uh, can i just add this one thing real quick you're going to appreciate. Give yourself a self-plug here. Vern Funquist on, on Twitter, if you don't follow already. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting quote tweeted and, and, and talked blank about because I, I made a joke about living rent-free. And I've now been made an example out of about how we need to do away with the phrase rent-free. Which is just like in the most hilarious, Irony. poetically ironic way possible. It is. It's good. It's good stuff. All right, that's it. What do we want to do? Uh, do we, have a, we don't have a game picked for next week. Um, maybe another six versus nine game. Who knows? That, that is something we need to look more into. I'm I in for that. I think so. I think everybody. So what I'm gonna do in the meantime? That. I'm gonna go pee, and then I'm gonna go watch. A, I'm gonna go play some 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 poker, Connor. I, I don't want to say that you're addicted, but when you win that much, I, I think you're addicted to winning. That's more what it is. That's what I would say too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marla just threw his arms in the air like he just got a sack in 1988. That's how I celebrate. That's how I celebrate. Right. Um, no, this was good. This was good. We're gonna have a, a fun little casual Friday one tomorrow too uh, with our good buddy Jay Woody. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. 
Yes, we're going to talk, uh, theme is celebrities this week. So all things celebrities, uh, get those questions in on the Facebook a Facebook page. Jay Woody will probably have that, um, that posted very, very shortly if he doesn't have that posted by the time that you are listening to this. So, Mike Bobo, um, Todd Grantham, Mark Rigg, Les Miles. Dang it, Bobo! I'm broke, is it? <laughs> it might be too much, guys. Talk to you soon.